feel like a very fair way to live is being content but never quite satisfied. I think if you're just fully satisfied, you're not stretching for, for anything more. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me on another edition of the Richard Listens podcast, Thanksgiving week. And uh, this week is all about giving thanks and all our gifts, what we're giving, how we're giving, where we're giving. And this week, with my birthday coming up Sunday, I'm giving to me. Hope all of you are giving to you, especially right now. Things are moving fast. Things are hot and intense out there. A lot of trauma. Hasn't been an easy world. It hasn't been an easy time frame for any of us. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening in. And thank you for being part of my community and sharing your gifts and allowing me to give my passion and tell stories of the amazing individuals that I meet along the way and allow them to tell their experiences of what made them who they are. Today, my guest is Christian Philly Philemon. He is from the world of sports. He is a co-host and creator of Defenders of the Bank podcast, a LAFC official podcast sponsored by Power Flex Power Tools. He's also the co-host and creator of Striking Fury, which is the official podcast for major arena soccer leagues, Empire Strikers. He's a play-by-play broadcaster for the Empire Strikers, play-by-play broadcaster for FC Premier of the WPSL, and he has a new role of being the play-by-play broadcaster for UC Riverside men and women's soccer. Uh, He's also a traveling man of the world of sports and uh hopefully he can tell us about how he embraces fandom relationships um and keeping it all together uh while still being in the hotbed that is sports and um how he mixes passion and commitment without further ado uh, i'll be welcoming in christian Philemon. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, despite me being an Islanders fan and me looking at that background, seeing that Rangers logo, you still got me for a little while. So uh, just know, though, that's strike one. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Were you raised in New York? Because I know we have similar sports uh, passions. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm born in Manhattan, raised in Queens. I've lived most of my adult life in Manhattan. And obviously, an Islander fan is is a rarity for kids living in the boroughs. It is. Well, I'm the opposite. I was raised in Long Island and my father was a Ranger fan. So I was there during the drive for five and had, had to just sit quietly. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a really long time ago. I, I mean, 83 was their last cup. 84, they went to, they went, to, I think, seven games or whatever with the Oilers. You know, 93 was a decent run and we got spoiled during the COVID years with them being in the conference finals. But, you know, thanks to those pesky Tampa Bay Lightnings, uh, no Islanders Cups remain still since 83. I feel your pain. We we, we, we had them down 2-0 and still couldn't finish them off. Yeah, y'all still have a more recent Stanley Cup. I mean, 94 isn't that long ago, right? <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, now you, you grow up, you have a passion for all the different sporting teams. Um, how do you keep allegiances? It's it's really easy, especially for the um, for the New York team. So, I mean, I mentioned I'm, I'm from the city. So my first love, as far as any sport was concerned, first favorite team, uh, well, sport was baseball because that's what everybody played in Queens growing up. Uh, and it was the New York Mets. Why, you ask? Well, <laughs> believe it or not, the Mets were actually pretty good in the 80s, as you know. 
86, my old man took me to a Pirates game against the Mets at Shea, and Gary Carter hits a walk-off home run in the 10th inning, and then I just got hooked. Obviously, they ended up going off and winning the World Series, had a couple of good runs. 88, they lose to the Dodgers, and I still haven't forgiven Oral Hershiser for that time period. But, I mean, that to me is just, that's that's the earliest memory I have as a kid is going to Shea with my old man. So I'm from Forest Hills. You know, you're from New York. Forest Hills isn't very far from Flushing. I mean, you hop on, you hop on the LIE, you're there in like 10, 15 minutes, uh, depending on the traffic. And so I used to go to Shea all the time. So that's my team. And uh, I mean, I'm a homer when it comes to all that stuff, but I, I don't know. I picked all the bad New York teams to root for. It's the Mets (laughs) game in town. To me, they're still the only game in town. And obviously the Islanders, which that's a, that's a whole different ball game within its own right. But as far as like the major sports, those are my teams because they just tie me to back home, tie me to my earliest memories as a kid, and tie me to, you know, my memories with my dad. Right on, yeah. And and for me as well, my father, meeting him at Madison Square Garden for uh, Ranger games or going to Shea. I, I think probably uh, everyone in the office pool probably wanted the Giants tickets because we got like two of those ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... When did you start coming into turning it into, you know, announcing and and, uh, turn your passion into a a profession or or did it start as a hobby? Did it start in high school? It's it's a wild story. I mean, it it really is. And I sometimes I just had to pinch myself earlier today because something else pretty cool happened, which I'm sure we'll we'll touch on later. I mean, I was an athlete for the most part my whole life. Um, I played baseball up until high school. At that point, basketball was the other love of my life. And that actually took me a little further. So I, I played I played varsity in high school. Basketball was always my thing. I'd, I'd get to school an hour early. I'd shoot free throws. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play hoops. And I knew if hoops wouldn't work out, which, you know, when you're 5'10", it's, and obviously this, this pasty skin tone, you kind of have a genetic disadvantage right off the bat. So I figured if anything, I could parlay that into something media-wise. Now, this is where the path goes off on a different direction. I originally wanted to go in for broadcast journalism as my major. But I had this job making sandwiches. My first job ever is, you know, right between my senior year and my freshman year of college. And the guy I worked for, this was, by the way, in Frankfurt, Germany. The guy I worked for was an old Navy dude. Very salty, very cool, very funny guy, very gruff. But he simply told me, son, unless you're a former athlete or someone who's easy on the eyes, you're not going to make it in this business. And you, my friend, are neither. And so, like, I gave him every single example I could possibly give. He goes, nepotism. He did this. He did that. You're not a coach. All right. Like a jerk, I I listened to him as an impressionable 17 and 18-year-old. So I thought, is this the right thing? You watch, you know, the NBA stuff. You obviously see former athletes or whatever. And then my path diverged. I went into IT. Then I got into business. Still in finance right now. You know, I spent a couple of years squeaking by a meager existence, living in, uh, not living, working as a guitar player in a rock band. I've done some stuff, but it wasn't until I would say my honeymoon in 20, 2018-ish, my wife and I were coming back from our honeymoon. We were coming back. We took an awesome trip to Singapore and Bali. And that's just a contrast within its own right. One of the most expensive places in the world to a place you could literally live like a king for a thousand bucks a month. It was fun, but I'm on the flight. And I'm reading an article uh, that Barstool Sports put up. And at this point, they were everywhere. And I'm scratching my head going, where did these guys come from? Like, how are these guys usurping the bleacher reports? Like, who's Dave Portnoy? So I started doing my own due diligence 
on it. And Portnoy is, you know, a Big Ten guy. Went to Michigan. I went to Indiana. From the, the Northeast, played sports. I'm from the Northeast. I played sports. So there's a lot of parallels. And I thought, this is a guy that's literally living the kind of life I want to do. He's going to all these cool sporting events. He's doing podcasts and videos on pizza. Like, why does this guy get to live this awesome life? And I got to work in, in financial services. There's something not right here. And so I started a podcast called Couch Potato Jocks with my buddy, Doug. I was on the West Coast. He was on the East. And we were ambitious, thinking we could cover all sports within these time zones. It was an epic fail. So that didn't work out. Um, and then I put that idea in the back burner. And then LAFC came through in 2018. And then I, uh, my buddy who ended up becoming my best friend and my co-host and my cohort and a lot of the stuff I do, J.R. Liebert, lovingly known as The Scarf, we started this little podcast called Defenders of the Bank out of a rec center in West LA in the Palms. And Defenders of the Bank grew, grew quite quickly, actually, uh, to the point where it's like, oh, we were excited about 100 downloads. Then we were excited about 200 downloads. Now we're at 1,000 downloads. Now we're at 2,000 downloads. We're like, wow, like people actually like what the hell we have to say. And then that led to more downloads, sponsorship opportunities. And then from there, all these doors opened. Um, I don't want to obviously steal all the thunder, but like there's so much more to say. So I'm going to stop myself before I go off. But it all started off that honeymoon trip. right there. But that is right. That, that's so funny, right? Because part of me is like you could have easily just stayed over in the abroad and never come back. <laughs> I could have I I worked for Bali United and I would have been happier than a pig swimming in dirt. It's funny, those flashbulb moments, though, of like, you know, I, I can do this, right? Have to go, go against those messages that were like protecting you, but discouraging you from going after what you love. Oh, for sure. I mean, to me, like, if there's something I was passionate about, like, I love people. I love reading autobiographies. Um, and I love people like Richard Branson. Like, he had a tiny little book, autobiography thing, just called Screw It, Let's Do It. And like, it, the message from that book always resonated. If some door opens and you have no idea what's on the other end, go through it and learn as you go. I mean, that to me was very impactful. So I always went down and knocked down opportunities and went through doorways that um, most people told me not to. And honestly, that's how this all led to here. So the, the Defenders of the Bank thing grew up big. I mean, 108 countries it's downloaded, hundreds of thousands of downloads. Although for some reason, people apparently like to hear us rather than see us. YouTube hasn't done well, but I guess, you know, they were right. Faces for radio. I don't know. But um, from there, that stemmed off into Amanda, my wife's little realm. So one of the first, I'd say 15 or so episodes within the history of Defenders, uh, JR had to go on a class trip with his students. So I brought my wife, and JR's girlfriend, Nina, on the uh, on the pod. And no joke, that was the very first episode to crack a thousand downloads. So then, you know, you're starting to scratch your head thinking, all right, well, we're in 2019-ish. Why don't you do a Women's World Cup on our platform? They did, and it went really well. Then the next idea came in. It's like, well, why don't you do an NWSL pod, which they started called Center Mid Chicks. And then I said, keep it with that. Build yourself something. And then when the if and when an L.A. team comes in, rebrand and do that. And then lo and behold, that's exactly what happened with Angel City. So now she's doing Angel City chicks. But in between that time, COVID hits 2020. And so nothing much to do. You know, very bored and very eager and ambitious. And MASL indoor soccer is ready to begin. Now, the entryway into that was, again, through LAFC. Uh, LAFC had a player by the name of Adrian Perez who once played indoors for the Ontario Fury. 
At that point, they had a guy, who U.S. men's national team player, on-track Frankfurt legend, Jermaine Jones, played for the Fury. And so we would go to Toyota Arena out in Ontario and, and watch these games. And to me, it was like the first time I saw Shea. The minute I saw the turf, I don't know, something hit me. I fell in love. They're playing five on five with two goalies. There's power plays. What's a blue card? Like, I just got really intrigued by the game. And so I kept up with it, but there was no content being created. And so the Fury themselves knew who I was because of the Defenders podcast. Wearing that shirt right here. It all comes back down to Defenders. And so I I volunteered to do the pod. And uh, they said, really? And then I I came to the table with my ideas and they they okayed it. So at that point, JR stepped off because he couldn't do it. And then Amanda, my wife, the panda is how we call her, volunteered to do it. And for me, that was the greatest opportunity and thing possible because it was always scheduling conflicts. With Amanda, I could just pull her off the couch when we're both home and go, we're recording. You're coming with me right now or vice versa. So it was easy. And then no joke, six weeks into it, it came with such really warm reception that the stri- the Fury, now known as the Empire Strikers, asked if I'd be interested in being you know, their, their, color, their, uh, their analyst, the color commentator on the broadcast. And so to me, this harkens back to the kid who loved Dick Vitale in the late 80s, early 90s. It's awesome, baby. I said, yes. And I, with the caveat, look, I've never done this before, but if you give me a loose leash, I guarantee you I'm going to make my impact and I'm going to be the best organized, best dressed, one of the better personalities you've ever seen. And so, yeah, I mean, it came obviously with its you know fair share of challenges, but then that led to more broadcasts. And then, I don't know, we became somewhat polarizing. People either loved us or they thought I was too excited about doing it. But to me, that's hogwash. I'm never going to apologize for being excited about doing these things. And then slowly but surely, you know, that where I'm, I'm in season four for that. Then I had a call just based on the broadcast for that to do things in the WPSL with a team called FC Premier out of Long Beach. So Amanda and I have been calling their games for two seasons. And then lo and behold, another opportunity pops up, and that's calling a couple of games for UC Riverside's men and women's soccer team. And this is Division One we're talking here, Big West. UC Riverside, home of where Aaron Long, LAFC center back and U.S. Men's International, played. And so that went really well towards the end of the season. Cool. And then a week ago, they asked me if I could do it full-time. Okay, 100%. Starting next fall, I'll do it. Oh, by the way, I know college hoops. I went to Indiana. Uh, I love basketball. It goes back to 89. Ramil Robinson hitting two game-winning free throws against Seton Hall. I know my hoops. And then they asked me to, to do a game uh, like a week ago. And it went really, really well as play-by-play. And then as breaking news, honestly, as, as early as today, a few hours ago, UC Riverside wants me to be the, play the analyst role for the remainder of the season for both their men and women's college basketball teams with all those streams on ESPN or ESPN plus. Congratulations, brother. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, who keeps your calendar? <laughs> I mean, so honestly, like sometimes it's, it's JR's girlfriend, Nina. She maintains a calendar for all of us or my wife, because I have a, there's anything I don't do well is multitask and overcommit. I, that's, that's just what I do. But to me, this is my, this is a dream. Obviously, I find I have to find the time to do this and juggle a job because you know I have I live in Burbank, I own my home, and as you know, California is not cheap. We're not Indiana prices here. We're we're paying a boatload of money per month, and so like I have to maintain the actual job until well the passion turns into the uh, the, the final product. But from it starting out as a hobby, literally as a labor of love, 
now it's starting to contribute heavily to my bottom line. And, you know, fingers crossed that at some point within these next couple of years that it'll, you know, be even way more than what I earn doing the thing that, you know, makes me money. I, I want to finally be one of those few that loves, wakes up passionately, loves, loves the job and loves all of that stuff. It's hard for me to wake up at 6 a.m. to go to work or get ready for work on a Monday. But, uh, you know, if Bayern Munich's playing on, on Sunday at 6 a.m., I'm up and I'm at the Verst House or wherever it is. So <laughs> funny how that works out. Oh, man, with the with the globalization of sports and coverage, it's like 24 <laughs> seven. And I and I love it. It's like, you know, it's a it's a it's a Thursday. Like I'll tune into, I don't know, some obscure Europa League uh, match. I don't care. Like I'll have it on my phone. If there's a dog a guy playing fetch in the park with his dog, I'll find a way to, you know, be entertaining and, and call it. I just just love sports. Everything it it builds, the 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 community, the passion. Obviously, there's some negativity things that come with it too, but teamwork, camaraderie, hard work, like it just there's so much beauty that comes in and out of sports and and I love it. And in a world where it's just we're constantly drilled with bad news and chaos and and being marketed towards with anxiety. Like the other day I'm watching Hulu and all these hymns commercials are popping up. I'm like, oh my God, do I have ED? Like it's just constant BS. And so for me, sports is just a great outlet. And I couldn't make it as a guitar player in a rock band, which I would have loved to have done. But ultimately like sports has been the most important and biggest part of my life. And it's a huge part of my marriage, huge part of my social network. It's, it's more to me than just random fanboy fandom. Yeah, so I mean, as a first of all, I always feature the the individual behind the career, and you know that the the boyhood dream to, that it's coming to fruition, and hopefully um, takes you to exactly where you want to be. Obviously, most of my men that come to me still searching for their partners. How did you put it out there? I want somebody involved in sports. I mean, did, how did you manifest that? Was it conscious? Was it intentional? Um, you know, what was that like to create? Wait, how, how you touch? So you're, you're referring like how Amanda came in my understanding. Yeah, like you, yeah. To find a partner, let alone that like loves your passion and okay. sees who you are. And then that is willing to go on the ride with you. God. All right. Still, I wanted to make sure we were talking about her and not my, my co-host with defenders. Um, I love him too. Just, a li- I love my wife a little more. So <laughs> it's, it, it's not anything that I ever manifested completely. Like, I'll tell you this, as far as like any dating criteria I ever had, and this stems back to junior high, I would never go out or even honestly waste my time talking to somebody who was a non-athlete. And that sounds pretentious, but to me, like sports was always the biggest part of my life. And I was always attracted to, to big, not big, I mean, just strong, like athletic, competitive, spirited women. And so every single partner that had any kind of meaning in my life played some form of sport. My, I ended up going to Indiana because of my high school sweetheart, so to speak. She played basketball and softball. Um, the woman who end, I would end up marrying and sadly became my ex-wife due to other circumstances, which we won't get into. She was, I want to talk about an athlete. She got recruited to play three different Division One sports. So she was big into it. And then Amanda, I met her. Honestly, it was an accident how we met. My, I went to Indiana University, again, another big sports school, and I was in a fraternity and my buddy Andrew was getting married. Well, my buddy Andrew paired me with my soon-to-be wife, Amanda, because they thought, oh, you know, these two would get along really well. And I mean, at that point, I had no interest in in seeking another, uh, seeking a partner, seeking anything. Like I was content within my own world. 
But with her, we just we hit it off really quickly, really easily. And yes, she's very easy on the eyes. I'll say that. But for me, it was more than that. I always needed something a little more than that. Uh, I needed substance. And so we clicked on sports. We clicked on music. Uh, I was in a band at that point, And I remember her saying she had tickets to go see Pearl Jam. I'm like, oh, Pearl Jam. You ever heard of this band called Mother Love Bone? And so we started going down the rabbit hole uh, with music. And then we just hit it off. And then I would talk to her about my travels and all this other stuff. And we just really, really hit it off. And she ended up taking a traveling nurse contract to go to New York. She's from Indiana, from Evansville, home of Don Mattingly for all of your New York sports fans, listeners. And actually, her brother did go to high school with one of Mattingly's kids. So nice little tie there. But um, I, I realized like she was a keeper when you know, I took her around the city and we saw some things. But I, I, was, I surprised her with a trip to City Field. And she had no idea where we were going. Obviously, if you take in the seven train, you you don't see City Field until well, Willett's Point Shea Stadium is 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 coming up. So when she saw that, she was super stoked. And I think we went to go see the Mets play her favorite team, the Cardinals. And so she was all into it. I'm like, this is this is awesome. I mean, she loves loves sports. She didn't get into soccer until she met me, but I mean, she was always a big sports fan. She played softball. She played basketball. She played volleyball. Uh, she was in the military. She's a runner. We would run a lot together. So for me, like something, I, like I can't stand the women that are like, and, I, and God teach their own, but it's like, why do you like the sports ball? Like you're not even on the team. Why do you care so much? It's, that's just not the kind of person I want to spend time with. Cause it's 6am I'm watching the Bundesliga or the premier league. And then we'll go work out. And then in noon, you know, we'll start catching either college football or the NFL on a Sunday. And then tonight when she comes home, I'm going to be taking notes, watching UC Riverside playing um, University of uh, Wisconsin at Green Bay. I mean, sports is on all the time. And if she couldn't tackle it or handle it, I mean, I probably wouldn't have been with her. I would understand, but that's my life. And she enjoys it just as well. Yeah, I mean, not many people can appreciate how romantic it is to take a trip together out to Ontario. <laughs> you know, I will say with that, I, I very much am blessed. Um, yeah, that's funny you should say that. But we've it's we have a great time when we're there. And the more most important part is like I get to share in all these experiences with her. I mean, I've I can't begin to tell you the number of people I've spoken to have tried to do things that I've done with podcasts, and they say, Well, you know, my wife's not really on board. And they'd say, The only reason you're this successful is because your wife's on board. And you know, I scratch my head to all that. I'm like, yeah, I get it, opposites attract, but at some point, like, don't you want to have something to talk about? I mean, the only way we differ is if we're watching. The Premier, the, the Premier League, she's on she's on the Arsenal side. I'm on the Manchester United side. So we'll differ that way. And that's where we'll have our fun talking trash to each other because we support different teams. That's where it becomes fun for me. Well, it seems like it's also beautiful synergy because, right, like she's creating energy through the pod. You're creating it through the pad. You're both expanding through community. You're building relationships. And obviously now with social media and likes and things like that, listeners. Uh, it's all for the same team. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, she's my Marilyn. I'm, I'm her John Belushi to Marilyn Monroe. That's the way I've always said, you know, she she's the one who makes me look uh, like better because it's sometimes I have to, again, I pinch myself because she's such a beautiful human being. Obviously, she's beautiful from the, you know, like from the from the, the, the eye test. But I mean, selfless. I mean, she's a nurse. She spent 15 years in the army, went to Iraq. Very selfless, selfless individual. And I mean, I love her to death. I, I'm not a millionaire yet. Um, 
Uh, I, I'm not famous yet, but you know, somehow she she believed in this insanity, like from head to toe, internally and externally. So, uh, I mean, I I truly believe in the saying behind every every great man is an even better, if not better, more successful woman. And that's, you know, I praise my, my fortunes on that. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's actually how I think my initial introduction uh, to you guys as a couple was in the pandemic. I'm a Cedars employee part-time and uh, seeing uh, Amanda, your spouse win the fan of the year <laughs> uh, in, in COVID, right? It was like, so what was that journey like? And did you get to, did you get to meet uh, Victor Cruz or any of the, the good guys along the way? That was, uh, I used to really enjoy writing, um, you know, cl those classes, creative writing classes. Even freshman year of college, I took I took something like that. I really enjoyed writing essays and being creative with things. Uh, but no essay in my entire life, can I say, was ever better written than the, uh, the reasons why I wrote behind, like, why Amanda should be fan of the year. So for those that don't know, Captain Morgan sponsors this NFL fan of the year contest on an annual basis. And, and it's every team. And you have the ability to nominate yourself or, or somebody that you feel would be deserving of the reward, uh, of the award. And so Amanda loves football. I mean, people like ask her about fantasy football advice. Like she's a huge football fan. Now, having grown up in Southern Indiana, uh, that part of the world, obviously everybody's rooting for, you know, it could be an Indianapolis team. It could be a Chicago team, but down south, they're more, more so a St. Louis crowd. So, you know, she grew up rooting for the St. Louis teams. 1999, you obviously have the great show, the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner and, and, and that whole team. And so, you know, there was, there, there was a fandom from, from that perspective. And then we moved to LA in 2016 and it just so coincided with the same time the Rams opted to bounce from the Midwest. And then head to LA. So we cop season tickets. We started going and then this opportunity came up and I thought, look, my wife deserves something cool to happen. Like we've been put through the, through the ringer in 2020. Like, yeah, sure. I, I had the greatest commute in the world going from my bed to the, uh, to the, to the kitchen, but she was out there like with her regular job, doing things at the forefront, fighting COVID, you know, doing these things, seeing people in awful conditions and, between her selfless acts doing that, which, by the way, she loves her job as a nurse. She's one of those few that love her job and have no problem waking up. So between that and obviously her military service, 15 years, 14 months in Al-Nazaria in Iraq, just selfless human being, I thought, look, this is why I think she should be the Rams fan of the year. And so early on that season, I get a call from our ticket rep, Peyton, who's a lovely human being, by the way. She's back in back home in Atlanta, Georgia. She uh, said, hey, look, uh, uh, we're going to nominate Amanda the fan of the year. And so I asked, like, what does that mean? She goes, I don't know, but, you know, stay tuned. We're going to honor her one of these games. Uh, we're going to say she's the military hero of the game. And then, um, you know, we'll go from there. And so I had to keep that news to myself for a few weeks. And then it was the game in 2021 when Jared Goff and the Lions came into SoFi. Jared Goff's first game back as a, as a non-member of the Rams. And so... Uh, we went on in the field and so I knew they were going to honor her as military veteran of the game. And she knew as well, cause you can't really hide that part, but she didn't know was going to, that she was going to be nominated as NFL fan of the year, which I knew, which I didn't know was that meant two free tickets to the Super Bowl, which was just, I mean, a bucket list dream, uh, for, for us to happen. I mean, with season tickets, they asked us to put a deposit down on our seats and it was like six grand a pop just for the deposit just for the deposit. And I don't mean like all together. I mean, per total 12 grand. And that wouldn't have even been like the cost of the ticket. So 
you know, we're a year off of COVID. It wouldn't have been the financially prudent thing to do. So we opted out and then boom, all of a sudden, free freaking tickets. And to answer your question, yes, I did meet Victor Cruz. He was on my couch hanging out doing that filming session with Amanda. So we got to go through a lot of really, really cool activities. The thing that wasn't, you know, we didn't get to enjoy like some of the other people was an all expense paid trip to somewhere other than home. So we still had to drive and pay for the gas and pay for the parking at the hotel that we stayed at, along with all the other fans of the year near LAX. But other than that, like they took care of us uh, for an entire weekend. We went to the awards ceremony, which was great. We did this party thing on Saturday, which was fantastic, where we got to hang out with Victor Cruz. And then obviously Sunday, uh, the Super Bowl, they brought us back to the hotel, spent one more night and and boom, that was it. And then, yeah, I mean, that was the experience and it was wild. And you know, it'll never get better than that. I mean, we won, Amanda won fan of the year for the team she supports where the Super Bowl is hosted on the ground that the team she supports plays in and they won. I'll never get an opportunity like that again, unless it's the Jets and that'll never happen uh, as far as I'm concerned, not in my lifetime. So maybe Rogers is coming back. Well, th- yeah, I'm glad you say that. So how do you savor these amazing moments? And they're with your partner, right? I mean, sometimes you're winning and getting a, a new promotion like you got today and new opportunity. Maybe she's getting it. How do you savor these moments at a time when we're like, like you said, we're always looking for the next milestone. How do you savor it and still stay in that place of pushing ahead, wanting more and also appreciating what's happening? I mean, it's, I feel like a very fair way to live is being content, but never quite satisfied. I think if you're just fully satisfied, you're not stretching for for anything more. And at that point, I feel like, you know, you start to, you start to digress a little bit. I mean, there's, there's nothing bad with always wanting more and new experiences. I mean, life's too short, regardless of whatever your, um, like, uh, spiritual ideologies are. We, none of us really know what the heck's going to happen. So you want to try to get out there and do as many things as possible. And I learned a lot of these, um, ways to savor some of these moments through like my favorite musicians. As I mentioned, I was in a band. I loved Stone Temple Pilots, for example. That core album was the soundtrack for my cross country and basketball playing days. I would never run a race without hearing dead and bloated and sex type thing. They'd always just put me in this different frame of mind. And where I effed up was I I turned down way too many opportunities to see Scott Weiland live. And so, yeah, as a member of Stone Temple Pilots and Velvet Revolver, and I loved him. And I don't know why. Something else, something slightly better, or uh, it's a Tuesday, I don't want to go to work hungover. I don't know, something like that came up. And then obviously he died. And then so many of my favorite artists from that time period died. So what that taught me was, look, if you have an opportunity to go see something, go do it because you never know when you'll have that opportunity. And so whether it be a band, a show, a team, whatever, like even something as silly as shelling out, you know, a grand or two to go see a World Series game. It's like, go do it because you never know when you're going to have these opportunities. Money comes and goes. And it always comes and goes. Opportunities are, are, are priceless, though. Like to me, it's not a matter of who who's the richest man in the cemetery because nobody cares. Nobody cares about that. And he who dies with the most toys dies anyway. So to me, like if anything, I want to be rich in experiences and continue to go out there and do more things. And sometimes you're right. It is kind of hard to savor those moments because, I mean, I'm going to live sporting events all the time and lately a lot for free because I'm working them, which is even cooler. But um. I mean, the certain ones will always stand out. I mean, I remember Panda and I were down in San Diego when Bartolo hit the home run. That was one of the coolest experiences baseball-wise I had ever witnessed. 
Uh, obviously, we got to go see, I mean, LAFC winning the MLS Cup in that incredible game was, uh, I mean, other than the World Cup that year, that was by far the, the best football slash soccer match I'd ever seen. Definitely the best soccer match. match. Also? What's that? Were you calling it on the radio as well? No. So with that time period, I was involved with an LAFC affiliate called 110 Football. So we would be just outside of the stadium doing pregame and postgame shows. And that would be featured uh, via their channel and, and tied into LAFC. And there's a video, which I'll happily share with you at the conclusion of our, of our interview. But uh, it was right after we won MLS Cup. And I'm on the panel with Max Bredos, the, the voice of LAFC. And then my, my buddy, JR, Vince LaRosa and, and um, Connor Kolopsis, who obviously a big part of 110 was because of him. And had the crowd up in a frenzy as we're doing the postgame show. All just outside of, at that point, Bank of California Stadium. And it was... One of the most powerful and most incredible sporting like moments of my life. And just to be there and get the crowd up in a frenzy and experience the highs and lows of and the and the ecstasy of what was arguably one of the most emotionally draining matches I'd ever watched in that sport. It was uh that was something that uh I'll take with me to the grave happily. It was just it was so freaking cool. What compare compares to that? Anything from your childhood, any other game, maybe top three? The LA LAFC winning the MLS Cup? Yeah. Either you've been a part of or calling it. Top three. Um, I'd say, on, well, I mean, as far as calling, I would say like one of the most exciting games I... All right, well, there's two... I mean, I would say the LAFC moment is definitely number one, without a doubt. I mean, I had a lot of other cool moments in my short broadcasting career. Um, I mean, the one recently was when UC Riverside... They had this a young man by the name of Wes Hastings score a crucial goal, helping Riverside break a, a one nil deficit in the 80th minute with eight seconds to go before the final whistle. Just, I lost my mind calling that kid scoring the goal because it was a very important game and a very important win to help keep their playoff dreams alive. And that was uh, it made it on UCR's athletics page. The Big West shared it. So that was a pretty darn cool call. And I would say when um, we were down in Arena Monterey in Mexico calling the Empire Strikers against the Monterey Flash, uh, we we did the English broadcast for the Major Arena Soccer League down there. And watching the, uh, the Empire Strikers win on Mexican soil for the first time or the very first time in Arena Monterey, that was a pretty cool thing to be a part of too. But long story long, which I'm kind of known for doing, the MLS Cup, like, broadcasting that we did still like my favorite broadcasting media moment ever. That's beautiful. And it's amazing that you're helping to grow exposure to uh, indoor soccer and to um, women's soccer. Um, how's the growth been with the uh, NWSL? The NW, I mean, that would be more of a question for Panda, but obviously seeing. Yeah. Well, WPS, WPSL's actually had a longer shelf life than NWSL and has been around just as long, if not slightly longer than MLS. So getting to see the girls compete. So this is all amateur stuff. Most of the girls competing in this league are are, are in college uh, and they're still at that amateur level where they haven't signed pro yet. But a lot of these girls coming in and out of WPSL, they, they end up going they end up going pro. So getting to be a part of that and watching some of these girls play from like Long Beach State, USC. I mean, we had a, we had one girl in particular on FC Premier that represented Team Canada in the most recent World Cup. So it was really cool to see it on that front. And I, I love seeing the growth of, of, of women's soccer. And I love having my wife be a part of it, too, because it offers another opportunity and an outlet for like young girls to like look up to like these other professionals. Like growing up, my wife loved 
loved baseball, softball, but she wasn't going to, you know, she didn't have an opportunity to go triple A, single A, do things like that. But had she grown up playing soccer, she could have looked up to the likes of now an Alyssa Thompson or an Alex Morgan or whatever and go, hey, you know what? There is a, um, there is another alternative. There's an opportunity for me to play a sport I love and make money. It's not just basketball. Now you could do it with soccer and just seeing how the, the women's game has grown has been awesome. I mean, the first time I could say I was really mesmerized by club women's soccer was uh, 2019 when we went out to go to Portland to see LAFC play the Timbers. Uh, they had just renovated Providence Park and we were there for the weekend. We didn't get a chance to really tour the renovated stadium because the uh, Timbers front office just put us into a corner and just left us there and we couldn't really meander around. And so the next day we opted to go to a Thorns game to get a see, just get an idea what the stadium looked like. And just looking around at how passionate those Thorns supporters were, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Like, I'm going to keep an eye on this team until L.A. gets a team. And then L.A. gets a team. And then, obviously, there's documentaries on it. You had 22,000 people there. It's, you know, it's it's like going to an LAFC game in terms of, like, the capacity that's there. And seeing, like, the look on some of these young girls' faces when you have the likes of a June Endo walk by, like, it just, it warms your heart. It's obviously a different atmosphere than LAFC because it's more family-oriented, whereas... LAFC could be a little bit more, uh, you know, I see a person wearing a Galaxy jersey or or a Seattle Sounders jersey. That's going to get me, you know, it's going to make me see red. Like, I don't have that when San Diego's in town. I don't have that when Portland's in town. I just get to enjoy the game. And seeing it progress the way it has is is awesome. That NWSL final um, between between Gotham and, uh, and, oh my God, why am I blanking? Either way, Gotham won. It was, it was, I was awesome. And seeing that game develop is the way it has is, is awesome. And to know that my wife's just, you know, somewhat of a voice in that community helping push that through is, is, is great. I, I don't think she realizes the kind of impact that she has uh, because she really downplays everything. But I mean, it's, it's awesome to, I mean, see the sport grow. I mean, soccer in general, I mean, you know, growing up in New York, you'd have to go to like Flushing Meadow Park to catch any pickup games. And yeah, there was like very little soccer and, you know, I, I swung and missed like it was a baseball and, all, all three of my kids have grown up playing soccer and my eldest is in Spain playing right now. So that's all oh, Southern sick. California exposure. You know, that is just what this culture is here and the intensity and all the different cultures coming together. Uh, so it's also, I think, the last couple of World Cups have gained some excitement. And um, yeah, it's, it's getting held up there. So I love it that you're keeping in perspective this community building, the role modeling. I mean, these are the healthy things that sports really gives to a community, um, you know, where it has less of the toxic energy around, you know, what it means to win at the win at all costs kind of a thing. What's your uh, top three sporting stadiums you've been to? Top three sporting stadiums I've been to. That's a darn good question. Um Real quick, I just wanted to piggyback off what you were saying. I mean, I think if anything that we learned, though, during 2020 and COVID, how important sports really is to us. Because when there was nothing on, I would say that to me was like worse than being in solitary confinement. The minute the, the, the Korean Baseball League came on ESPN, I was excited. I mean, that's that tells you how important sports is uh, a part of fabric of our life. Um, oh, yeah. Global, global communities. Yeah. 100%. Now, top three sporting stadiums. Oh, all right, I'll, 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 I guess I'll think of it from like sport to sport. I'll tell you NFL-wise, the, the one stadium that I was just blown away by was Allegiant. I got to go do a tour of Allegiant in Las Vegas uh, when we went for my birthday. 
and the attention to detail, the, the love, the incorporation of local artists and making it truly like Vegas slash Raiders slash the history, the way everything was done. I was to me, it was breathtaking. Like I really enjoyed it. And that seems like a cop out because, yeah, it's it's brand new, like whatever. But it really was a, it was a gorgeous stadium. And honestly, I, I like it a heck of a lot more than SoFi. SoFi is dope, but it does. It's a little soulless. Obviously, you have two tenants in there, whereas Allegiant is very much catered to the Raiders. I mean, they had these wall-to-wall murals of Elvis Presley in like in in shoulder pads. Uh, Marilyn Monroe dressed up as a Raiderette. Uh, Frank Sinatra doing I just, that. That to me, from a NFL perspective, that was the coolest stadium. As far as um, other grounds are concerned, oh, that's a tough one. I would say. I can't say it's one of my favorite, but I, I will say just being able to walk through places like Fen, Fenway and Wrigley. I mean, the amount of history that's there. I mean, you could smell the beer soaked into the hallways. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, th- those are, re- those are stadiums built around the time, you know, people were still discussing the Titanic and, you know, comically enough prior to the Cubs winning that world series in 2016, that was always a joke. Really? The Titanic sinking is more recent than your last world series, but I love history and just like the, like the, the memories that these that these seats have seen, the, the different athletes. Like, I love that aspect of things. So from a baseball perspective, I mean, it's really a toss-up between Fenway and Wrigley, both amazing places to see games. And I mean, I've even seen Yankees Red Sox at Fenway. That place is pretty cool. I mean, as far as basketball is concerned, look, it's going to be a bias. Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, is just, is just a joy to, to go into. And what a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, that there's multiple inceptions of Madison Square Garden. Like, that wasn't the original one. And so going in there and seeing the Knicks, seeing the Rangers, hell, I was there when Randy, the macho man married Miss Elizabeth for SummerSlam. Like I used to go to the garden all the time. So, uh, I mean, I would say the local venues probably mean a lot more to me because of just the history for, from hockey and basketball. And obviously, I mean, I love Shea for, for, for the dump that it was. I mean, that's when they tore that down, a little piece of me kind of broke inside. Cause you know, that's, that's your childhood right there. And you so, know, just because you mentioned it, I have to ask you a random question. This, you may have an answer to this. Outside Shea growing up, you would get the hot pretzel with mustard on the way home. In L.A., you walk outside and there are 75 bacon dog carts <laughs> and not one hot pretzel. Can you tell me behind this conspiracy, well, you know, any insight or theory? As to why they're more hot than more hot dogs and pretzels? There's no well, I mean, pretzels. Like, There's none. I mean, look, I, I, look. you and I are from the same neck of the woods. It's the same <laughs> reason why pizza is better in New York than L.A. It's the water. Nobody eats pretzels around here. Nobody nobody appreciates pizza around here. It's got to do something with the water. Like meat, you can move that anywhere in the world and, and throw some spice on it and some of your own little love on it and get it to taste good. It's a matter of the water. The New York water is just better than L.A. Hey, there we go. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me with that random trivia question. <laughs> I hope I, I hope it gave you some like clarity with it. I mean, I th- I'm, I'm I'm almost going to open a side business because I just can't. It, you know, I can't understand. I think there must be a mafia on bacon dogs in L.A. So. New York style pretzels. I think that goes a long way for marketing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll have to give you a share of costs. This could be our way out. This could be our way to full time. Oh my God, that that would be incredible. I mean, there's no, nothing like you know, a passion project that fuels another dream. <laughs> so Philly, you know, in a closing minute, tell us, tell listeners where to find you, where to get a hold of you, and what's coming up next. 
Yeah. So, I mean, on my social medias, uh, I guess if we're going Instagram, I'm, I'm philamonster35. I'm no longer 35. I mean, I created that profile when I was 35, so I just kept with it. So you can find me there, Christian Philemon on Facebook, D-O-T-B underscore Philly on Twitter. And then through there, you can find all the other different things I'm linked to, whether it be the Empire Strikers, whether it be LAFC, whether it be FC Premier, whether it be UC Riverside, men, women, basketball and soccer. Jeez, that's a laundry list of things. But yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, Brady's starting, you know, starting Sunday, you'll be seeing and hearing me on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Right on. We'll be tuning in and uh, yeah, check out Billy, check out all the work he's doing, all the pods he's got. Um, we'll be posting uh, links in the bio and uh, maybe they get you get to follow he and he and his wife, Amanda's travels. And it's uh, just such an honor to uh, see someone who speaks his mind, who loves his passion. And uh, yeah, we're going to post some pictures of you in these fine suits you have. Where, where do you shop for them? <laughs> I get that question quite a bit. Honestly, it's very easy. Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars on a custom purple suit that I'll wear once or twice a season. Amazon gets me all these crazy things, bedazzled purple suits for 60 bucks. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. If I get a, if they're damaged, no problem. I'll just buy another one. When I make that, you know, that, that baller kind of money, maybe I'll get some nice imported Italian fabrics. Until then, I got to watch the bottom line. So Amazon's where you'll find my, my, my wardrobe. Maybe Amazon should be a sponsor of the pod. Hey, there you go. I, I like it. Business minded. I appreciate that. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you for making time for being in my world and uh, for, you know, giving a little bit of hope and, and glimmer through the pandemic. And as a New Yorker who's out there and staying loyal to his teams despite suffering and for uh, thinking bigger about relationship, being willing to find a partner who's, uh, you know, in your corner, willing to share the ride. I think it's a great model for all our athletes and sports fans out there. Yeah, And a little bit of advice. If you tend to find a partner that roots for a really bad sports team and they've been rooting for them for the rest of their life, you know, they have stupid un unaltered loyalty. So go find yourself a Mets fan, go find yourself a Jets fan because they know misery and they still stick with it. That's the kind of man or woman that y'all need in your life. Somebody who roots for bad sports teams. <laughs> You see, add that to your dating profile. You learn about commitment. <laughs> and, and insanity. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be a little bit insane to commit to your passions and to commit to love. Thin line between genius and insanity. You are absolutely right. That's right. Well, we look forward to hearing you uh, on Sunday and on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, ESPN Plus this Sunday, uh, UC Riverside taking on Bethesda University, a team that plays in the National Christian Collegiate Athletic Association. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I thought wow. Bethesda University was out of Maryland. No, they're out of Anaheim. So I have to learn a bunch of the, this new opponent. <laughs> wow. You just educated <laughs> me right there. <laughs> Inform, educate, and entertain. That's, uh, that is my commitment to anyone who decides to listen to me and my crazy antics. But anyway, we can keep going on. I know you're trying to close out. I'm zipping it. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I uh, got to return the favor so we can get you on ours to promote your book and all the great things you're doing. And thank you for considering me to be on your awesome program. Thank you. And uh, I hope the listeners hit us up with questions if you have for Christian. If not, check them out on this pod. And thank you all. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Focus on giving, giving your gifts. 
what you give, why you give, and how you give, because that's how we become more connected to what we love. And this is Richard. I'm out. What a gift. Thank you again, Christian Philemon, co-hoster, creator, defenders of the bank, passionate fan and proponent of women's soccer, and now the current announcer for UC Riverside men and women's soccer, as well as college hoops. Uh, a lot of lessons there, down-to-earth guy, just like you and I, coming up from New York, playing in a band, just wanted to find passion and purpose and time together and being authentic in your relationships and your choices and uh, honoring uh, those that come across our path who are willing to let us be ourselves. Those are some takeaways from today. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you or someone you know are needing assistance or support or have an idea of a guest or voice you would like heard or seen on the podcast, please send it my way. I'm Richard. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm out.